Welcome to the Epic Agent Success Podcast with your hosts, Jerry Weaver and Jacoby Kendrick. This podcast is dedicated to newer agents in the business who want the fast track to success. 90% of agents fail in their first year of business. Our goal is to help guide your journey away from the common mistakes most agents make and help you grow and build your business to epic levels you know you're capable of and desire. What's up, everybody? I want to welcome you to the Epic Agent Success Podcast. And we've got another interview here with us. I've got my good friend and co-host, Jerry. And then also on our interview this week, we're going to be interviewing Mr. Eric Gardner. And he is out in Utah. I'm going to say Salt Lake. He'll let us know exactly where he's at, uh, specifically in Utah. But uh, we met Eric in a mastermind group that we were in. He is absolutely crushing it. Uh, works, does some deals himself, and then also running Blackwell Realty Group, which they are doing upwards of 110 deals a year. And then also Eric himself hitting around 11 million uh, coming up on the end of the year here as well. So Eric, why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll get right into uh, right into the interview here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I'm Eric Gardner. I live in Salt Lake City, my market area is kind of the Wasatch Front, Park City, Wasatch Back. It's kind of a metropolitan area, but it goes north-south rather than like a big circle because we have mountains on both sides. Been in the business for about five and a half years. Me and a partner, we started Blackwell Realty Group when I got into real estate. I didn't have a license until we opened up this brokerage. Um, and that was just partly because it was something different, something fun. And I wanted to be my own boss, like like everyone, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. All that so what were you doing? What were you doing before you got into real estate? So my background is economics. I did a master's degree in econ theory um, with subprime finance. I worked at a payday lender in college. So I wrote a whole thesis on subprime debt. But with a master's in econ, all you do is learn how to do spreadsheets. You need a PhD to do much. So I ended up at a bank. Um, I worked at Zions Bank for five years doing commercial underwriting. And then after that, I did a year and a half stint at my friend. My friend owns a bunch of car dealerships and he has a subprime book of business. And I worked with him managing that for a year and a half. And then another friend wanted to open up the real estate company. So I said, sure, I'll get a license and, and open it up. And bouncing around. That's nice. That's a good background. The subprime lending has probably helped you have a lot of finance conversations in real estate. That's for sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. And also, I think a lot of working in subprime writing and calling, you know, cause that, that subprime job was a phone job and the car job was kind of a repo job. You got to be ready for ever, anything for everything. And you got to be willing to, you know, hit it hard prospect. You, you know, you were kind of making your own money. All right. Well, sounds good. So we kind of got why you got into, uh, got into real estate there. So have you always been like an entrepreneur? Cause it sounds like you're kind of like an entrepreneur type, you know, what's what, uh, yeah. Why, but what kind of got you besides your buddy just wanted to open it? That's it. You just wanted to work for yourself. Well, my dad was an entrepreneur. He he filed bankruptcy a few times. He made a lot of money in the eighties. He owned rental properties in California. When we moved to Utah, we moved here because the market fell out in California in the early nineties. So we moved here. He bought more rental properties. He ended up filing bankruptcy here. He was a truck driver. So he was always an entrepreneur. And so was my my mom. So that was probably part of it. And then also just working at the car dealership and the owner and my boss and good friend, I just saw him today, actually, we we toured an investment property. I loved seeing how much 
time off he took, like he worked his ass off. Don't get me wrong, but he had a lot of flexibility, a lot of freedom, like a lot of business owners. And he's worked really hard for the last 23 years building it. And that's what long run, what I wanted to accomplish was more of that flexibility and freedom rather than just having to be there, you know, the nine to five all the time. And he treated me super well. Like he, we'd go for bike rides together on work days. One time we took a trip to California together and I was just getting paid the same just to go ride bikes. But it was that overall long-term, like want to accomplish something and want to be my own boss and have more flexibility and eventually financial freedom. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It sounds like the time freedom is more important to you than the financial. I mean, obviously you need the financial if you're going to spend the time, but I hear a lot of time motivation in your voice. Yeah, that's probably right. Like I like skiing. I like biking. So if I can work half day and ski half a day, that's important to me. Definitely time is probably more valuable to me than money is. Awesome. I got a couple of questions about the bankruptcy thing. Then it sounds like your, your pop, you said he filed for bankruptcy a couple of times. Has, did he, did he climb out of that? How did that affect you? And then, cause a lot of times people are like, man, you file for bankruptcy or whatever else, or they like see the negative in things, but it sounds like he just kept going in the positive. And then how did that, how did that affect you and your, your business? And even before you jump into that, how old were you when he filed his first bankruptcy? He filed bankruptcy in California. So I was in probably like 94. And so I was probably like 10 or 11. Um, We moved to Utah partly because of that. And there's a lot of, a lot to unpack on this, but we eventually bought a house in, in Utah after we found one, we lived in a trailer for a while, like an RV, because he had an RV. And then we bought a house. And then he started the whole rental thing again here in Utah, because he would own a house, put it in, make hallways and rooms and rent out rooms to people on fixed income, social security income, disability. And I don't know if it was the market or he was just, he wasn't, he was a hardworking guy, but my my mom was kind of the brains of it all. Eventually she she passed away. And I think he kind of struggled with managing it all without her. So eventually he actually filed bankruptcy a second time here in Utah. And I was probably like 15, probably 15. And he actually, he was trying to sell me his, uh, his pickup truck, his F-350. And I didn't understand because, because the bank was going to come get it. I'm like, I I don't want your pickup truck, dad. Like it's giant. It was a dually side compartments, four door, but he's like, Eric, you should just buy it, man. Cause yeah, come ended up bank came, picked it up, but he, he always fell back to driving truck. He was a truck driver. If he, if he needed money, he was a truck driver through and through. Um, and that's what he defaulted to. And, and I don't know how it affected me. I just, I saw his drive and his motivation because with his success, we had some really high highs as a family. Like we took a whole summer off and we RV'd around the entire U S we went from California across to Florida, up to New York and back to California. And then he, we also had really low lows when, you know, we're getting food from a, a food pantry. So that affected me in that, you know, the time is valuable. It's just making sure you're leveraging yourself properly. So you, so bankruptcy is less of a possibility. And I've always joked, you know, if I don't file bankruptcy, at least once in my life, I didn't try hard enough. Well, it was funny. I was, I was kind of laughing inside when you said, yeah, my dad's an entrepreneur. He filed bankruptcy twice. Like it was the same sentence, right? Like was, I think Russell Brunson has the comment, like, I'm not going to partner with somebody if they've not already filed bankruptcy at least once. (laughs) that's his philosophy just based on being an entrepreneur and like you said you know like getting after it and uh, if i don't file bankruptcy i'm not trying hard enough and i'm glad i got mine out of the way already so 
Yep. <laughs> cool. Well, let's transition to your real estate career here. Like, how did it go when you first started out? Like, what did things look like? And then, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about your journey to where you are right now. Yeah. So my partner, he got his his first license in 2001, kind of in the commercial world. And he he pounded phones as a young guy in the commercial side of things. Eventually, he got out of it. Then he got back into it on the residential side of things. And so he kind of had a lot of the systems in place. You know, he knew how to find leads. He knew how to prospect, you know, a, a daily activity schedules to make sure you're doing, you know, money-making activities. And so when we opened up the doors, it was basically, okay, this is how you find deals. You call these people and eventually one of them will buy a house or sell a house. And that's, that's what you do. So the more time on the phones or the more time talking to people is the sooner you're going to find a deal. So, you know, I took that to heart. You know, I did phone sales. I did, uh, I served a, a religious mission where all I did was knock doors for two years, uh, sharing a message about Jesus. And so I understood the the whole sales funnel idea of a hundred contacts leads to this many conversations, leads to this many meetings, leads to this many signed contracts type thing. So it, it really clicked with me when he's like, okay, you need to start dialing. So I did. And, you know, we had lead sources. We had like realtor.com lead sources at the time. Um, we were also calling for sale by owners, expireds, um, and then working my SOI sphere of influence also to some extent. And that was probably the first, you know, five months. And I probably had my first deal within, I don't know, th three months. It was, I remember it was a sell and a buy was probably my very first one. Um, and it was just an online pay-per-click lead. And so he he walked me through all that and we we kind of did it together. But I found it just by calling pay-per-click leads. So if you're doing, you know, PPC and Sphere of Influence, Realtor, Zillow, all the lead sources in that first year, where did you find your success? Like, where did you find your feet? So that was the first five months. Then that spring, you know, I, I went to our mastermind we met in and I went through that whole challenge that that he did. And that's where I really got going. You're talking the 100-day list master challenge? Yeah, the 100-day list master challenge. That's where I really got my real estate career going. I think that that 100-day challenge is what made me successful. We just talked about it on, here a couple of weeks ago, being that like that was the piece. That's where it all came together for me as well as that 100-day challenge. And really buckling down and, and grinding it out during that really set the pace for what, you know, what made us good. Yeah. I totally agree. Like, so that first, that first year, that five or five, five months, I did five deals, basically one of them was a referral and then three pay-per-clicks. One was a buy sell. So two sides and then one realtor.com. Okay. So mo that first six months was five, five online leads, one referral. Then after that I did. And so I have it broken down in the next okay. If you're listening and you don't see this, but we're we're looking at Eric and you can tell he's looking at a spreadsheet. A good finance guy is going back five and a half years to look at every one, every single one of his deals, you know. So yeah. So every every December I do this. I look at where were my deals last year? What was my average GCI per deal? What's, you know, where do I need to focus or what's what where am I getting results and is it making sense with the amount of money I'm spending there? I do that every year and I do that because the next year I did a ton of personal deals because of that hundred day list master challenge. Okay. So on your first year, that first, <clears throat> that first um, little segment there, when you first got in the business that you got your numbers there, what was your, do you know about what your average deal was or. 
So in my first 12 months, I did 21 sides. And then what was your average deal? Do you know your average that, per deal? Let's see here. Because we're always laughing, you know, Jerry and I are in, I'm in Midland, Texas. And, you know, I know you're over in Salt Lake. You probably got like a 600K average deal or something like that. Oh, yeah. When we started, Jacoby, it was uh, when we started coaching with Kevin back five years ago, I think our averages were like 170, 180,000 was our average deal. Now it's so, like 235, 240, but. Yeah. My average for the first 12 months was 305,000. That's okay. purchase price. Nice. And then we were just talking about it just now. What is it? What is it today? So this year, my average price is seven hundred ninety-two thousand. Seven hundred ninety-two thousand. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's intentional. That's that's all intentional. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, so let's keep on moving along here. So you said every December you sit down, you see where all where most of your deals came from. I'm assuming, or actually, just walk us through it. What do you do every December? So on my on my spreadsheet I'm looking at, I sum up my my GCI um, and then I sum up my deal count and then I do average per deal. So like for 2021, so I have those numbers in front of me right now. My average GCI per deal was about 15,000. Yeah, out of 23 deals, I GCI was 342 and my income goal every year is always half a million, my GCI income deal and I've never really hit it, but I listened to your last podcast where you you know you hit the you shoot for the moon and then you you know if you get any, anywhere close to it it's going to be awesome. So I, my goal is always five hundred thousand, and my deal count for that was thirty four. And then after that, I look at okay where where were I getting deals? So I I also think about lead finding. What is that? Sources, um, lead sources, lead sources, a wagon wheel or a stool or whatever. Like yeah. I don't ever want to count on one lead source. So you know internet leads. I do ge- geographical farming. I do referrals, obviously, for my SOI. Those are probably my three lead sources the most. And and I make sure I'm doing all of those kind of equally because I don't want any one of them to dry up. Um, actually, just in this last, my last evaluation, when I was going through the spreadsheet this year. I haven't been doing as much marketing in my in my geographical farm, and I don't, and I haven't done as many deals. And that farm has paid for itself a hundred times over. Um, but this, the last 12 months, I've only done two two transactions in there and I have one active listing right now. And that's probably proportionate to my advertising spend in that geographical farm. And I don't knock doors there anymore. So I, I want to point this out. We kind of talked about it at the beginning, but Eric's running through his numbers and his production is just a part of what he does. Eric's also very involved in the brokerage. And uh, how many agents are on the team there at the brokerage? So we're pretty flexible with with agents. There's about 20 licenses total here, probably seven to nine are actually produce. And I work with all of them one-on-one to help them do productions. Like last week we had a meeting. I walked them through what I did and I told them to email me their what their goals are for next year based on this year's productions. Kind of just like we talked about. So there's nine producers that I help coach and mentor to to succeed. So in addition to your production, you're involved in the operation hands-on every day yeah so here at the company we i'm not the broker my partner's the broker and then we have a full-time office manager slash tc um, she's been in the business for 20 years she's knows way more than i do and i i do all the finances though i cut the checks i manage the bank accounts and things like that all right so what i'm seeing here um, normally we talk about the transition phase for your business but really there is no transition phase for your business you just kind of since you started going to where you are now you've kind of just kept 
trucking along all the way through. But I think the the key thing that I'm seeing uh, from your story is uh, what you've done in the past has really helped you throughout your real estate career, I guess, is what is what I would say. It's almost like everything that you had done prior is really just prepared you for what you're doing right now, I guess, is what I would say. I, I would agree. Like I have this entrepreneur mind, mindset. Um, and I think that coupled with what I learned in a few different masterminds on real estate, how to apply that mindset to real estate sales and con- contacting and closing, that's what help, has helped me succeed. And just continually focusing on that drive and those those simple things, money-making activities, prospecting. I, I really focus on the, the basics and hope it translates to deals and it, it always does. Is uh, real estate the love or is that just the tool? I like real estate. I like it a lot. I don't know. That's that's a good question. I I'm, I always ask myself. My wife asks me this a lot. You know what I'm actually passionate about? Because to me, most things are a job. Yeah. So what else are you doing? Are you doing uh, you because you were investing there for a while too, right? Are you still doing the investment thing, or you, is it just sales for you? Or what's kind of uh, what's kind of the uh, end game? I guess you would say. Yeah. So in addition, during COVID, we actually, me and my partner, we did a few, we've done a few flips, like house flips. Uh, we, we've only done ones that fall in our lap. And so we've done a few of those and sold them, usually made good money. The one I have right now is sitting on the market, obviously, because the market's shifted so much. I'm trying to get it sold. Uh, we're not upside down on it yet. So that's good, <laughs> e- even with private money. So I do that. Then I also have some rentals. Right now I'm selling a duplex that I bought with a partner with the intent to 1031 exchange it into something new that I can, you know, force more appreciation in through remodeling, repairing, renting. So no, I, I like all sides of of real estate. Obviously, investing is the best because it's more passive, but I love serving clients. Then the other thing I'm hearing here, it sounds like you uh I'm just gonna throw this out there. You don't really do a lot of deals or do a lot of things on your own. It sounds like you got usually you're going in with partners or you're doing something with someone else. So is that relationship a thing you you normally do or do you am I off there or what's kind of your take on that? I think with with the flips, I don't like working on houses. I can. My goal is to never go to a house we're remodeling. If if I'm there, someone's not going to be happy because they know I don't want to be there because I'm not supposed to be. I, I run the finances. I sit in an office. That's my goal every day. Sit in an office. But if I have to, I will. So I partner with someone who knows how to manage that, who knows how to do that. I partner with a, a private money lender who's a great friend, you know, who wants to be part of it. When it comes down to that duplex, I have a partner on. Um, that was because I couldn't afford it, but it was such a great deal. You know, I, I pitched it. She's actually my preferred lender too. And, you know, I trust her. So, and I knew she had the cash to help with it. And, you know, like anything, I'd rather have 50% of something than 100% of nothing. So I I never be selfish. I'm I'm a very sharing person. So I think you know what is it? A high tide raises all boats. So I'm always happy to partner with people if if they're financially savvy. Yeah, for sure. Always comes back to relationships, right? And so it's like, man, you you you've got uh, whatever you say. You've got a deal that you that you wanted to do and might not be able to uh, to uh, have all the funds yourself to do it, but you you know someone. Uh, who can help you get that deal done, right? So it just sounds like, and then you, you know, started Blackwell as well, and uh, I'm sure that's probably a great relationship you've got there. So that's that's kind of the thing that I'm seeing here is you got relationships with folks uh, that you trust, number one, and then 
it also sounds like you you're the money guy and then the other you know the other folks or you're good at building a team essentially is what i would say because it's like you know what your lane is you know what your role is and then uh, you're finding other folks to kind of fill the other roles or that you that you actually partner partner up with uh, really well with so that's kind of what i'm pulling from pulling from this whole thing um let's look here so looking back with what you know now what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give yourself starting out or would you change anything it sounds like you've uh kind of planned it out and ran the course um getting a good coach as soon as possible having being on a good team or a good coach like having a good mentor i i talked about that with one of my one of, with one of my agents previously it's like the sooner you have someone who teaches you how to do it correctly the sooner you'll find success even if you're splitting deals you know and i split my first bunch of deals too like learning the process of success is way more important than how much money you're going to make because once you learn the process, you can do whatever you want. Was Kevin your first coach where we met? Yeah, he was actually. So yeah, we just found him on YouTube through his listing presentation video. We talked about that at one of the meetings actually. And then he was having an event. So I flew out there just on a whim to, hey, might as well see what this is. And then, you know, we all went through the the Listmaster Challenge price where you're like, oh my God, we're really going to spend $5,000 on this course. <laughs> Oh my! I remember I saw <laughs> I saw Kevin first on on YouTube too, and then uh, I like clicked on the thing to start paying for coaching, and I was like, "What the hell am I doing?" I'm like, "I've never met this dude in my life." So I like told my wife, I told Andrea, I'm like, "Hey, I'm gonna go out to California and just check this dude out." I'm like, I'm not gonna pay him money before I actually even see him. So then I I did the same thing. It's crazy how your avatar has like the same story. You know what I mean? Like. He's got that kind of down how people find him, but well, that's why I always thought it was funny because me, I um, I was referred to Kevin from a mutual friend. So now you, I don't know, do you know Mike Fritz, Eric? I don't. Okay, so Jacoby knows him. I knew Mike before I was in real estate, and before Mike was even doing some of the stuff he's doing now. And uh, Mike said, "Hey, if you're in real estate, you got to check out this Kevin guy. He's up and coming. He's gonna." He's a great guy. You got to check him out. He's going to be awesome. And that's how I ended up connecting with him. And I thought it was a ton of money. The Listmaster Challenge was two grand when I signed up, not five. And I <laughs> thought two was insane. But yeah. And to then. be honest, like you think about it, if you're splitting deals with a, a team leader or a, a, someone in your marketplace or you're paying a coach, like it's it's the same. You know, it's apples mm -hmm. to apples, but it's getting someone who's going to show you the process because you know, getting the real estate license, you learn the laws, mm -hmm. then you got to learn the process and you got to learn how to do the paperwork. Those are three different things. Mm -hmm. And typically it's a coach or a team leader who's saying, this is how you schedule your day because you have no idea. <laughs> so this is where you do prospecting. This is where you do lead follow-up. This is when you take lunch. This is when you show houses, this is how you do a listing presentation. The sooner you learn that, the sooner you have success. I guarantee it. As opposed to when I got in the business and went to the office and I'm like, Oh, now what do I do? How is this a full-time job? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I did. And I was like, I don't even know what to do in here. And now I'm like, I can't even get everything done. Yeah. I think it's so important though, what you said, because you do have to, you do have to invest in yourself, right? Like that's, that's really what you're doing is you're investing in yourself because I mean, we started this call out and not to keep harping on the bankruptcy thing, but like, 
it, if you like we're joking about entrepreneurs and like going bankrupt or whatever else, but that's just it, it is what it is. Right. And but if you have the knowledge and you've done the deals and you've ran the miles and you've actually done everything, you know what it takes to get back to where you were. You know, the problem is, is if you've never done that or you haven't done that, then now you're in trouble because, you know, you don't you don't know what it takes to get back to success. And that's what I try to tell the agents. I had an agent on my team. He like he ended up leaving. And I was like, dude, he's like, I'm not making enough money. And I'm like, dude, but you did like you did like eight deals, man. Like you can't go back because he only sourced like two deals himself. And I'm like, man, you can't go back. If you only had those two deals and everything falls off, like you're you're in a worse position than if you had like eight or 15 or 30 or whatever else, you know. And so I think you just have to have that long vision in mind of like what you really want to do and then having the success mindset, you know? So. Yeah, for sure. One of the other things I'm at with like a crossroads I'm at right now. And I, and I throw this out to you guys in all honesty, it's like each coach I've had has helped me level up. And like, right now I don't have any coach and I'm like, I've been thinking about like, what's the next, where's my next level up? Where do I learn that? Because I'm not learning it for myself and I'm sure not learning it from all the influencers, influencers on Instagram, but I'm like, where do I, where do I go to, to level up next? And that's, that's kind of the crossroads I'm at now. Cause I'm okay investing in it, but it's just like, they got to make sense to me and it's gotta, it's gotta be right. Sure. And yeah, my input on that would be, you got to have some clarity on where you want to go and find the coach that lines up with that. Like if you want to build the brokerage or build a team inside the brokerage, then you have a coach for that. If you want to just build up your personal production, then you're going to look at it. You're going to look at somebody a little bit different. So you got to kind of have, get some clarity on where you want to go and then find somebody that, that fits that. And then I, I'm a big fan of newer coaches as well. Like I go, I go back to even when we coached with Kevin, it was early in his career. The, the, those um, years, those first couple of years you were in that mastermind, we were all in together. We had a, we, that was a killer group of people. We did, we did some great masterminding and everybody was kind of hitting it. And I think, for me, Kevin was in his prime for what I needed at the time. And I liked the fact that he was younger. And then some of the other coaches that I've been working with are kind of newer to what they're doing. And I think you get the best of a coach when he's newer. Yeah. Um, because you're growing with him. Yeah. I can yeah, see that. Sure. So a good little segue then, because uh, now that you're, you're saying you uh, are looking for the next thing, the next question is, What's on the horizon? So what's next for Eric Gardner? What are you looking forward to? Or what is what are kind of the plans for the future? So my plans is just, you know, trying to find and create more passive income. Like I love real estate sales, but passive income is is the key to freedom, in my opinion. So I'm exploring lots of different ways of, of creating passive income um, while focused on real estate and also helping grow the grow and stabilize, not stabilize, but making sure that the brokerage is, is a great place to be. And it's there's actually value to the agents that are here. Nice. So what are some of those things you're looking at? What are you looking at for uh, passive income then? So I've sold a few rental properties in the past. I kind of regret it just because, you know, you don't have the same interest rate or the same payment. So the cash flow is different. And I'm doing that right now, again, with this duplex. But I know the duplex has a lot of deferred maintenance that I don't necessarily want to do. So one thing is I'm going to take that money. I'm going to 1031 it into either another piece of real estate, like a larger piece of real estate, like a fourplex or an eightplex, depending on what I can find. Or I might even 1031 exchange it into a laundromat. 
you know, and, and I know that's totally different than real estate, but like it is, but it isn't. We've had this like, conversation before. So my yeah. dad actually owned a laundromat when he was young also. And he always complained about how it's the worst business ever, but there's this, there's this one by my house and long-term I want the real estate. Cause I know that I know the real estate. I, I drive by it. I walk by it every day. Almost it's, it's this amazing neighborhood. It's all old. And it's like the, the goal is to buy this laundromat and then buy the real estate as soon as the person wants to sell it. Cause the, the guy's retiring, he's old. That's what I want to accomplish in the next. I want to buy that laundromat in the next six months. And then I want to figure out how to get that real estate from the, the guy who's retiring. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Entrepreneur for sure. <laughs> I got a buddy yeah. in Florida. They just, they just, uh, they just opened up a laundromat. So it's a good uh, business to be in for sure. My old broker has a laundromat. <laughs> Yeah, like it's it's a needed business. Everyone has to do it. It's kind of recession proof to some extent. The other thing I really want to figure out how to buy is a, a mobile home park. I was just gonna say, oh, the laundromat's right by the mobile home park. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I I have two friends who one of them sold his in Idaho, and I think my other friend he, he still has his, I'm sure. But it, it was just side things. I have a, so one of my friends, Darren in Idaho. He was an entrepreneur. Then he had some good windfalls being in the right place at the right time. Now all he does is ride around, travel and ride his mountain bike. I want to be like Darren. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be Darren when he grows up. That's right. And Darren, so like I said, relationships, I have probably like five people who are all way more successful than me that I, that I call whenever I have weird questions about weird things. And Darren's one of them. And I got a few others that's like, they've been through it all. And they'll always pick up my phone, call because we just talked about the market, business, like we're always providing value to each other. And I feel like I'm getting the better end of it because they're already, they've already made it. And I'm like the guy up and coming, but it's just, I really value those relationships. And like you said, this is all about relationships. I'm all about relationships. Like I could, I can make no money, but if I, if I establish a relationship or I maintain a relationship, that means more to me because there's, there's always more money out there. And those weird questions aren't as weird to the successful guys like you think it's that's, a weird question you call them and they, they make all kinds of sense out of it yeah that's true yeah man relationships are becoming so much more important there's so much money literally on the planet now like it's it's i'm not gonna say it's of no value but like we printed more money in the last what three years than than had been printed in the history of america or whatever so like when you say that like money is it's really relationships are where it's at you know mm -hmm. Yep. That's right. Cool, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, for everybody that's listening, if they want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to uh, reach out to you, get in contact with you? Uh, they can go to my website, heyeric.com. That's kind of like my tagline, heyeric.com. Um, on Instagram, it's ericgardner.realtor or my number is 801-660-9173. Sweet, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. If you are ever in Utah, then give uh, Eric a shout and we will catch you guys on the next one. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Epic Agent Success Podcast. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you've received value today, we hope you'll give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Don't forget, we love sharing our experiences and offering tips to agents looking to grow. So come join us on our Facebook page, the Epic Agent Success Podcast, and stay connected.